Hey there, welcome to episode 28 of the Cafe Genius Impresario's audio program. Today is Friday, September 8th, 2023. I'm your solo host, as always, Dan Hugo. Someday we will find guests or guests with some time on their hands and a microphone by their mouth. In the meantime, somewhat ironically, today we will be discussing the Dunbar. Welcome to the Dunbar. Sounds like welcome to the jungle, sort of, but uh, maybe that's just me. The uh, the Dunbar number, the mysterious and some might say fictitious upper limit to the number of people we should have close relations with. Maybe 150, which is the typical, is a bit high. So the Dunbar number is actually, as I alluded, an approximate number for the number of close connections. Uh, we, I said number twice. Yes, I know. Uh, for the number of connections, close connections that we humans can maintain. That means not saying hi to somebody in the street, not social media connections, which, uh, that, that's a whole nother wrench thrown into the works, but the number of people you actually interact with, have memories with, uh, the number of people you can remember the next time you see them, what you talked about last time. No, you're not a bartender. That's a different number. <laughs> But uh, so what is the, what is close though? What does that really mean? And what does that number even mean? Does it even matter? So that is today's topic. And so it is ironic that I am the only one here. (laughs) Robin Dunbar was a British anthropologist, measured primate brain sizes many years ago. You can look that up. And he correlated the size of the brain with social engagement reach. So how many social interactions did uh, a particular primate with a t- particular typical brain size have. So I'm going to guess that uh, you are familiar with chimpanzees and great apes and whatever we call ourselves here in Vegas. So we figure in there somewhere 150 is about the right number. Although the number could be anywhere from 80 to 250 if those are even correct. So because this is a correlation hypothesis, there is no causal connection. You know, what causes the social engagement number to, to arrive at whatever maximum number is uh, proposed? There's no answer. So correlation only could be, could be completely incorrect. So don't go by, uh, by your own Dunbar number as the upper limit. Sorry, friend number 151, you got to go. No, not essential. Uh, the number could vary wildly if there even is such a number. But it is worth talking about. So <clears throat> and I'll have to apologize for my voice today. It's going nuts. Allergy, uh, allergies Vegas extending into September, which is unusual. Or is it even? Uh, so let's look at our engagement within our entrepreneurial innovation ecosystem, which is, as always, the focus of this entire channel. Uh, we could ask ourselves if we are hitting a Dunbar limit ourselves individually. So are you talking to more than 150 people, more than 250 Fewer than 80? I think I'm talking to fewer than 80 now. It's been great. Um, I have notes, so I'm checking my notes. So are you having fruitful, ongoing conversations with people uh, on a regular basis? And is that population with which you have these engagements large, too large, too small? Uh, Do we saturate our mental bandwidth and our transactional engagements uh, with, I'm sorry, with, (laughs) not and, with transactional engagements uh, instead of having actual interpersonal reactions. So when we go to meetups and, and social gatherings and 
uh, especially if they're geared specifically towards client meetups or transactional engagements, are we saturating our what could be our Dunbar number of close personal interactions and diluting or maybe, uh, well, saturating? Are we using up our mental bandwidth, our social bandwidth on not personal interactions, but transactional or superficial interactions so that that Dunbar number, the Dunbar limit, if you will, is being reached more quickly or at the expense of close interactions. In other words, if I meet, if I go to Tech Alley every, every month and there's about 140 people there, that's 140 people that I see every month. If I come away from that the third or fourth time in, and by the way, for those curious, I went to 19 Tech Alleys in a row, 19. So my judgment of the event is in that context. So if you see the same 140, 120 people, you have conversations with them. You only see them at Tech Alley. Maybe you see them outside. Maybe you're connected with them on LinkedIn. Maybe you're connected with them on WhatsApp or whatever. Who knows? So you have these ongoing casual or possibly transactional conversations. Maybe you're trying to develop a client, and so you talk to them frequently. Maybe you're looking for client connections from those people, so you speak to them regularly about network connections. Are you sacrificing some upper limit I don't even know if it's 150, could be anything. Are you sacrificing your personal limit by spending more time, more mental bandwidth, more of your memory, more of your social energies? If you're introverted, you're really spending your real energies on these engagements that ultimately are only transactional, superficial, and not actually close or personally fulfilling or productive. If they're not your clients and that's what you're looking for, then eventually you have to look for other clients. So are you filling up your, your dance card, if you will? That's an old reference for my uh, fellow old people. Uh, are you filling up your capacity to engage with people on these non-Dunbar, if you will, non-Dunbar engagements? Um, I started thinking about this uh, a couple days ago, and I realized that when Mo Collins was here and we had a podcast, uh, she and I, I think it was episode 12, I can check. Hang on a second. Let me check. Check in the notes. Check in the notes. No. You know what? It was uh, it was episode 10. I was very close. Episode 10. So if you flip back through time, you can find episode 10 on this, wherever you're listening to this show. You're on episode 28 today. Flip back 18 episodes. So Mo uh, described during our, our time chatting that she had done a warm introduction path wandering through the ecosystem. And I think she said it was 250-ish. Sorry, my phone was uh, bothering me. But it was about 250. I think it was 246 or 270 or something like that. It was something in the 250 range. So the upper limit of this alleged Dunbar number range. And it occurred to me, I wonder if, um, <clears throat> I wonder how many people, how many of the people that she was warmly introduced to you know, you, you meet the first person, which I believe she identified as Jamie Schwartz at Black Fire. And uh, Jamie would, of course, introduce her to the same five people that everybody already knows. And those five people would probably introduce her Mo to, you know, probably two to five people each. They might know each other. They might not. So as you move down that tree, the likelihood that the horizontal familiarity is as much as the vertical is less likely, but still possible, except that our 
tech scene. I don't like calling it the tech scene, the startup scene. I don't even like calling it that. But the population of people in our ecosystem that are entrepreneurial and or innovative is small. Or let me even qualify that. It's small in the number of people who engage each other publicly. I would like to think there are many more people than who go to Tech Alley, for example. There are 2.4 million people in Clark County and 240-ish go to Tech Alley, 150 maybe, every month. So 150 divided by 2.4 million is not a big number. So hopefully we all know more people than who know each other. But in this case with Mo Collins, this is not her fault. I'm not, uh, this, this is just an observation. The people that she would have been introduced to, to in her travels, so the warm introductions, are between people vertically. So if you can imagine the first contact, Jamie Schwartz at the top, five people in the next row, each person introduces two to five more people. So the tree grows down. It's like a like an org chart. And so at any given level, the horizontal, the people are less likely to know each other. But vertically, of course they know each other because they were introduced. So I would conjecture that the horizontal familiarity in this group of people that Moat spoke with is actually high. And then that, <clears throat> excuse me, in that they probably know each other and they probably engage with each other, other in, with each other at typical meetup events, which everybody tends to go to or is familiar with. Startup.Vegas, uh, level up, link up, screw up, whatever their names are, and um, Tech Alley, and pff, what else? The There are some other meetups that are, I've, I avoid, like the plague. They're, well, most of these I do now because they're a waste of time. Why? Because you're seeing the same people over and over again. And seeing the same people is nice. It's fine. There's no there's nothing in, you know, inherently incorrect or wrong or dreadful about that. But in an entrepreneurial innovation ecosystem, which we purport to have, there needs to be the potential for novel engagement. That is, if you're going to speak to someone, will you come up with some new idea, new notion, new business, new, new solution, new path, new network connection? Hey, do you know so-and-so? Yes. Oh, yes. Let me introduce you. Right. But at some point, if you reach peak engagement, if you are only looking for clients, which is a certain percentage of a tech alley or a... Uh, level up gathering, right? Level up is the pitch night, if I recall correctly. Uh, if you're if you're going to these events and you are seeing the same people and you have the same conversations and there's nothing new coming from them, then eventually you reach peak utility and maybe it's time to consider mixing it up a little bit, which I myself am doing. So I'm speaking from uh, with the voice of experience, which is somewhat scratchy. Like I said, it's actually a labor to speak. Uh, my voice feels constricted. It probably sounds constricted, and it's uh, it's annoying. Hopefully, you're able to listen. Maybe 2x. So what does it mean to have a close connection? How close is close, as I have in my notes? So um, that's what we've been talking about, but I haven't really talked about it. So, so when you have these close uh, conversations, are they really close? Are they transactional? So let's start with your family. You're born, so you're probably close with one or more of your parents. Probably your mom, because you've gotten to know her for a few months beforehand. But your parents, your siblings, pets. I think at that age, you can consider a pet a friend. You don't know any better. And they probably are anyway. Probably the best friend you'll ever have. So uh, you start out with a very small number. Even in a large family, you may be engaging with five, eight people, 
regularly as you learn to speak and walk and move around in the world. So that number will start to climb as you go to school. But how many of us are really good friends with our first grade buddies, our, our uh, kindergarten pals, right? Um, I will tell you, I remember their names, but I don't really talk to them. So Patrick, Michael, and Timothy, Lori, Scott, uh, Andrea, I think that's it. So I'm not even going to say their last names, but who knows where they are. But through time, you don't maintain these connections with the same people. So there are certain people that you maintain these connections with, close family, close friends, and then colleagues at work, colleagues from previous jobs that you stay in touch with, you network with, and so on. So it's <clears throat> you can see where it'd be somewhat easy to get to the 150 number. Not everybody is as close as your parents or your best friends or your uh, first pet. Some people are coworkers who you later determine were only out to get your job, so you got to take them off the list. So much maintenance. But over time, as you begin to meet more and more transactional colleagues, friends, associates, are you beginning to saturate your bandwidth such that you are not spending time on the good friends, instead spending time going to meetups and engaging potential clients and superficial relations in hopes that, or perhaps replacing a notion that we have enough uh, of our Dunbar-ish close connections. In other words, are we convincing ourselves that we are having a grand old time by attending frequent recurring events with the same people, same faces, same stories, same conversations? Are we convincing ourselves that this must be connection? When in fact, novel connection is what you're looking for if you're entrepreneurial and innovative. Because people that you have never talked to before are probably the most interesting and might be the most interested and a fruitful conversation could advance your cause. If you're speaking to the same people month after month and you're doing the same things, uh, even though Einstein never said this, the, the, the definition of insanity, silliness, but if you are doing the same thing, speaking to the same people every month, every week, not advancing your cause, not getting any new ideas, simply lamenting the current state of affairs, which I am want to do frequently, are you getting value? Are you giving value in this exchange? So uh, it's interesting, like I said, that <clears throat> Mo was um, Mo was introduced to people who knew each other. And then, like I said, I, I would posit, although I don't know the exact list of people that she spoke with, I would posit that the people horizontally, even at the bottom of that introduction list, knew each other. So is that important? Interesting? Who knows? Let's, let's think. So I was, uh, I was in Silicon Valley for about 15 years, from 1993 until 2013, with a break in the middle uh, around 2000 when I moved to Phoenix. One of the one of the more interesting mistakes, but it is what it is. Uh, I moved to uh, Silicon Valley in 1993, just at the beginning of the end of the recession. The dot-com era had begun. The injection of venture capital, the answer to all questions, even if it was the wrong answer. <laughs> uh, there was tons of meetups. There was always gatherings, <clears throat> whether it was in the work context, like your coworkers hanging out, uh, the, the sponsored company beer bash, the, the lunches, you know, Hey, let's all go to lunch together. So there was always some extra work conversation, meeting of former colleagues, future colleagues, close associates. Uh, 
we used to go on Thursday nights to different places, uh, play billiards, um, different restaurants, socializing in general. So always kind of going out and about, but you'd always, because of the nature of Silicon Valley, you'd always run into someone. You'd always see someone you knew, or you'd be going out with a group of people that you knew already from different workplaces and so on. And they would know other people and they would invite other friends along. And so there was this continuous mixing of people who were uh, earnestly looking to socialize in the context of, of Silicon Valley, right? Like uh, what's going on, any possible case I got to change jobs, which was a frequent occurrence. So there was always um, a conversation to be had with new people. Uh, does this mean you had to be best friends with everyone you met every Thursday? No. It does mean that the person you met two months ago that one time was probably a friend of a closer friend. You could reach out to them, second, third degree of separation, hand them a resume. Hey, I'm a friend of so-and-so. They could probably try to get you into the pile. So there was, there was a certain value, a certain tangible value to maintaining these tenuous superficial connections through your closer connections. <clears throat> so, you know, if my good friend, say, uh, <clears throat> say Dave, Dave, who got me a job at Netscape by handing my resume to the right person. Sometimes later, Dave said, hey, can I give you my resume? Sure. If a friend of Dave's, who I met through Dave at work or on a Thursday somewhere, gave a resume to Dave and Dave's, Dave said, hey, can you give this friend of mine's resume to so-and-so? I'd be like, yeah, I guess. Sure. So there'd be a little bit of disconnect because I don't know this person directly. However, you're vouching for him. So Dave, I know Dave, Dave's friend, Dave knows Dave's friend. I know Dave, nothing new there. Do I need to be friends with Dave's friend? No. So I can maintain a closer inner circle, a closer uh, cadre of friends, colleagues, family and friends, of course, family, friends, colleagues, associates. I don't have to treat everyone the same. I don't have to ignore everyone as much as I ignore uh, the outer ring of that cadre. Uh, but I found in my time in Silicon Valley that the rich networking culture did, through these second and third degree connections, uh, lead to referrals and they were, um, they were valuable. They were fruitful. But I don't believe they contributed to that Dunbar number, that maximum number of close connections because I wasn't really connected to them. Uh, I was associated. I was connectable, but I was not connected. And it's interesting to note that this was between 1993 and what, mid to late 90s. There was no, you know, 95, 2000. Uh, when did, when did uh, Facebook launch in there somewhere? Friendster. Uh, there was another Oak something. MySpace, obviously. So there were various social networks and they were, they started connecting people, but they were, they were still loose and they were often around music and other, other such things. But in the workplace and in the ecosystem that was Silicon Valley at that time, it was still very much a question of who you were talking to or emailing. And of course there were email lists of dumb jokes and off color cartoons and sardonic wit in general. So there was connection in the digital form, but there was still a lot of interpersonal, in-person, um, former, future, current colleagues, and then the, the friends, the longtime friends, and of course the family. So I think the Dunbar number in that context makes a little bit of sense because 
<clears throat> could you maintain 150 of your best, closest friends and family and have ongoing conversations and spend quality time with them and so on? Mm, it starts to get tricky. Uh, whether that is an equal amount of time spent per, that's a personal thing. But I think that's where that is. There's like a, a correspondence that can be measured and observed and felt. I don't know if that's true with the advent of social networking and with the advent of the humble brag of follow numbers and the not so humble brag of follow numbers and views and likes and all that stuff. Um, and then of course, LinkedIn enters the picture in 2023. I'm sorry, in 20, 2003, 20 years ago. Uh, I remember that because I signed up in August, August 11th, 2003. And I just had my 20 year anniversary, which they send you a note. How nice of them. I was connected to about 4,000 people at some point, possibly more. And I proactively prune my connections when people disappear, ghost, become unresponsive. No need for that. So I'm still over 3,000 connections. There have to have been more than 4,000 in my travels. I cannot possibly know 4,000 people well. I promise you I don't. Uh, so after I uh, moved to Vegas 10 years ago, 10 years ago, August 1st, I was working for Intel, so I was traveling the world, made a lot of good connections out and about. There was a pandemic that led to fewer interpersonal engagements. I've done some consulting, entrepreneurial endeavors, huh? and uh, of course our civic volunteer organization, the Innovate for Vegas Foundation, and other projects. Someday I'll talk more about all those things. Uh, the, networking culture, uh, the networking culture in Las Vegas, especially in the startup scene, is extremely transactional. Now, I have associated with uh, bartenders and uh, hospitality service industry folk in the Vegas area. I think it's less transactional. I think there, they are more, um, there's more of a connection through pain, <laughs> working long hours, dealing with customers, dealing with management, just trying to do your job, so on and so on. So there, I think there's more of a connection, more of a in the trenches sort of camaraderie. Uh, but in the startup scene, I'm finding from my own personal experience over the last 10 years, it is uh, much more transactional. Uh, the really interesting people are too busy working on their startups to go out and about. You don't see them at the, the meetups. You see them working, <laughs> and they will tell you that if you ask them. I'm busy. Uh, so, but we, we, uh, so we have a lot of transactional engagements here that make it difficult to, to actually turn first first order direct connections into like a, a real close connection. Um, I don't think from my experience, 10 years, 10 years watching, I don't think there's a lot of uh, empirical evidence to suggest that he, uh, anything but the closest of close connections here will lead to sort of a collaborative cross-promotional elevation of others. You know, will they go out of their way to to super connect you and another with, you know, with no benefit to themselves. Will they share that link, announce an event or a gathering, even though they're not involved with it? It's a tricky, it's a tricky, tricky environment here. And I believe that it's because the, the nature of the connections here are tend to do, tend to be more transactional and less um, collaborative. If that makes sense. Uh, you will see a difference in that in the veterans community. For example, there are others. The veterans community in the greater Vegas area does help each other, almost to the exclusion of non-veteran community members. So if you, if you are a veteran, other veterans are more likely to help you than if you are not a veteran, that other veterans will help you. They won't, this is just, just uh, anecdotal, 
they won't tell you to go jump in a lake, but you know, you're not at the head of the line and that's totally fine. That gets to my point about the hospitality industry as well. There's a camaraderie that helps with that connection. If you are a veteran in Southern Nevada, you have what, 166,000 colleagues. You very clearly cannot be close friends with all of those people. So you will almost certainly help out a fellow veteran. Similarly, if you're in the hospitality industry, you will probably help out a fellow bartender, a fellow server, a fellow kitchen staff, etc. Um, the question is, are you best of friends with them? Are they in your Dunbar circle, Dunbar number? Probably not. So it's an interesting dynamic where I believe where uh, in the startup scene here, the engagement tends to be with fewer people regularly. And I believe it makes it easier to mistake that smaller intimate group of people for actual connections when in fact they are transactional, superficial. Hmm. So what if we compare uh, the recurring tech scene with a purely entrepreneurial approach? What if instead of only going to the same meetups every month, only going to the same events and gatherings and doing the same things and talking to the same people, we actually seek out novel meetups, let's meet new people, with novel ideas and novel outcomes. That means instead of seeing the same people every month and doing the same meetups and trying to figure out where your money is and uh, how to use ChatGPT to change your to to change the amount of work you don't do already, uh, what if we actually seek people that are going to advance our cause or whose cause that we can advance? And it doesn't have to be both. It doesn't have to be symmetric, because every time you meet someone, it is not a transaction. It is the beginning, possibly, of something. And it could be the beginning of something for you or them. So what if we have new discussions, new ideas? We present what we're working on. They present what they're working on. We mull it over. We throw out a notion, see what happens. Maybe that leads to a longer conversation, or maybe it leads to a, a recurring ideation session now and then. Maybe they're not a close connection, but have they replaced a transactional, maybe less than productive engagement that you were having with the same people every month with some new ideas, some new notions, some new ways of spending your time, some new possibilities for turning one idea into a bigger idea, etc. So what if we, um, what if we take that number of transaction uh, relationships, the transactional engagements and superficial relationships and so on, if we reduce those, if we spend less time going and talking to the same people over and over habitually, is that number of people you're engaging with getting down to something a little bit more reasonable? Are you getting closer to that 80 of that range, if that's the right range, who knows? And are you making more productive use of the time with the people you do engage with? Are you spending time building what may be close connections, but may also be transactional relations that you are including as close relations? Are you spending less time on those and spending more time on advancing what you're trying to accomplish for the sake of your real close connections, family, friends, colleagues? That's the question. How are you spending your time and with whom are you giving, are you getting, or are you taking and then leaving? Something to think about. So if you think it's closer to 80, and I think it is, uh, or it might be less than 80, but it's certainly 150 seems high for close connections. Now, if, you, if you're a manager or a, an employer of some sort, and you have 150 employees, or you have 250, or you have 1,000, you're still not going to be close friends with them. Even though you are in a responsible position, you have oversight in their future uh, of their future, 
financially and otherwise. So we, you know, there, there's that, but I'm talking about just purely people you interact with, engage with. Uh, I think it's closer to 80, probably less. And I think the people that you actually interact with at that level should be a smaller circle. And it, it might be 150 for you. I don't know. But I think if you focus on the real connections and spend less time believing that speaking to the same people every month at the same place, same time, eating the same free food, enjoying the same party afterwards, etc. You know, just because you go to a house in Henderson doesn't mean you have made new friends. It doesn't mean you have built up your business. It just means you have more people, more connections on LinkedIn, more business cards in your pocket. But if those don't lead anywhere, and I'm really reflecting on some time during the downtown project, which had its moments of fruitful connections, but very often the serendipitous collision business model was merely going out and drinking, socializing. And the people you met were people you would likely never speak to again. So the question is, are you making the most of the time you spend engaging or are you merely building up a collection of LinkedIn network connections, followers on Instagram, people who say they'll listen to your podcast but don't? <laughs> you know who you are. And apparently it's not you. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of tenuous connectivity in our entrepreneurial ecosystem. The innovation ecosystem is a little bit harder even, believe it or not. But the entrepreneurial ecosystem, a lot of talking, less action. I would question whether this is devaluing the ecosystem over time. I believe it is. When you meet new people, do you come up with new ideas? When you meet new people, are you willing to share your new ideas with them? If they tell you what they're working on and you say, oh, you know what? You should talk to, you should look at, you should investigate. Do you ever sometime later email them something or text them or however you communicate with them if you do? Except for LinkedIn direct messages, you should never do those. Uh, do, would you ever send them an article that seemed relevant? Would you ever send them a link to something that you saw that might go with what they were talking about? I do that all the time. Very rarely get that response. Uh, but the fact is, if you proactively engage with people, you don't have to be their best buddies, but you can participate proactively in your ecosystem without diluting or saturating or, in other in other words, uh, you know, making making it difficult to have real friendships in a sea of transactions. So I would have to wonder if, like I said, if the Mo Collins paper, if the, the people that she spoke to, she and her colleagues, it wasn't just her, if I recall. Uh, I can't remember how many people she had working also on the ground, but they spoke with a number of people. Did those people know each other? Would it have been more valuable to speak to people who don't know each other, who'd never heard of each other? <laughs> Maybe later connect those people. But would it have been interesting to get so many different viewpoints from people who don't know the same people and run into them over and over at the same events with the social dynamic uh, that, you know, because I see the same people, I get that same dopamine rush and I feel as though I'm accomplishing something. I think if, uh, if Mo had talked to 250 people who had never heard of each other, who had never met, it would have been a very different story. And I think had she had them all in the same room at the end, and they all met each other, uh, only some of them would continue a conversation of any meaningful sort afterwards, yet they all would have found value in actually meeting each other. So meeting and chatting versus ongoing conversations and possible collaborations and so on, I think those are two very, very different things. Both are good, but I have to wonder if we have convinced ourselves that doing the same things over and over, I'm not going to quote the fake Einstein 
quote again. But if we think doing the same thing over and over again, meeting the same people, talking about the same things, spending our time seeking clients but not listening to them, and so on, is ultimately healthy or not for our ecosystem. And whether entrepreneurialism and innovation are stifled or enabled, I'm thinking it's the former. And that's where I'm going to leave it today. Uh, To be honest, I re-recorded this whole episode because I didn't like the first one. So hopefully this one turned out better. You'll never know. Uh, If you'd ever like to be a guest on this uh, show for an episode about various topics already spoken about or yet to be, why don't you? Uh, I'm happy to have conversations about a variety of things within our entrepreneurial innovation ecosystem. I would like it to be better than it is. Maybe you would too. In the meantime, share, like, subscribe, tell your friend. I know you're not going to do any of those things, but I ask you anyway. Have a nice day. Thanks for listening, as always. And we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye.